0: Welcome to In the News Show. I am your host, Judy Dezegottis, and I'm here with my co-host, Father Bill Weary. Welcome, Father Bill, and welcome to all our listeners.
1: Thank you, everybody. Nice to be here.
0: I just want to thank Joe Nebostinski for being our technician today and also for David Hillowitz, who always provides our theme music. I want to mention a couple of things that are coming up here at Holy Family Radio. Um, We will be having our fundraising dinner on Friday, April 21st at the Sheridan Harrisburg Hershey And you can reserve a spot. They are $100 uh, per person. It is a big fundraiser for us. We're going to have a great speaker, Kevin Riley. You could read all about it on our website at 720WHYF.com. So if you're thinking about a night out and a great speaker and to help out Holy Family Radio, that's the place to be on Friday, April 21st. Be sure to get your reservations in by April 6th. Um, so anyway, let's get started with our show. Um, I like this little quip. We were talking, uh, this is actually in the Catholic Witness. We have a 103-year-old nun who is a well-loved chaplain for the Loyola University Ramblers basketball team. Wow. Um, I had heard about this, and then uh, in our Catholic Witness um, and I think, Father, you had uh, maybe done a little bit of research on her and you have something, information to share with us.
1: Well, I just, uh, just an article that ran from the Associated Press in uh, one of our local newspapers spoke about her, uh, born in 1919. She recalls the building of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco recalls uh, mm-hmm. crossing over when it opened in 1937. And she's very, uh, just very loyal to Loyola. <laughs> and they love her. She's, uh, she's fantastic. And uh, she told the Associated Press, quote, I love life so much and enjoy being with young people. <laughs> They're the ones who keep me going because they bring such joy into my life. And they keep you updated on what's happening on the world, unquote. Uh, she's in a wheelchair all, all the time. And as she's at the games, um, you know, as many of the games as she can make. And she's a dynamo, just keeps going. So <laughs> kudos, kudos to her.
0: And that's always a great way to start off a show with a nice uh, story like that and and. Woman full of energy, 103 years old. I hope I have that much energy just like, you know, when, when I turn 60. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, moving on, I know you have some information on this, Father, about uh, Cardinal McElroy and yes. Bishop Poprocki, um giving uh, communion to active LGBTQs and divorced and remarried. Um, and then I also think there was some information also that Cardinal Raymond Burke chimed in about not giving out communion to those ineligible. Would you share with us what you found regarding these statements?
1: Well, Cardinal Robert McElroy, uh, Bishop of San Diego, California, came out in an article in America magazine uh, recently. Just uh, the whole, uh, the whole thing, uh, the uh, uh, the whole agenda, just um, incredible. Regarding uh, permission to re- communion, uh, giving communion to those who are in active LGBTQ relationships, uh, active same-sex relationships, and to the divorced and remarried, and uh, Father Thomas uh, McElroy and a few other bishops as well have called him out on that, for which I am I am grateful, and uh, that takes a lot of courage, honestly, to do that. But they. They're reminded. They're reminding Cardinal McElroy of, of things he, he knows already. To the uh, third party observers, the, the regular Catholics who are observing the and reading about and watching the argument, it's very instructive to be reminded that the Eucharist has always been exclusionary. There, it's very inclusion inclusionary for those who are in the state of grace, sanctifying grace. But from day one, year one, there's always been an exclusionary aspect to the Eucharist, all the way back to First Corinthians, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter eleven, saying that a man should examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup, lest he eat and drink judgment unto himself. Again, speaking of Paul, speaking of uh, sacrilegious communions and and the need to uh, be out of the state of mortal sin in order to receive communion. And that uh, uh, heretics, adulterers, you know, sodomites, et cetera, will not be admitted to communion. And I keep saying over and over again, uh, the church accepts all people, but not all behaviors. And right. in so many words, in so many words, uh, Pococky and uh, Bishop James Connolly of Lincoln, Nebraska, Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas. They're, they're the ones, the most outspoken in, in these areas, uh, have, have spoken about that. And I got a quote from. Aquinas, Thomas, Saint Thomas Aquinas, I think it's from the Summa that an article quoted in regard to this argument about, you know, that um, as, as the Pope has has said uh, in a very misleading fashion, that the Eucharist is not for uh, quote not as a prize for the perfect but as a source of healing for all unquote and that's very misleading and um, and but uh, McElroy and those of, of that. School of Thought have quoted that a lot in support of their their positions. Listen to what Aquinas says about that from the 13th century. Quote, every medicine does not suit every stage of sickness because the tonic given to those who are recovering from fever would be hurtful to them if given while yet in their feverish condition. So likewise, baptism and penance are purgative medicines given to take away the fever of sin. Whereas this sacrament that's the Eucharist, is a medicine given to strengthen and it it ought not to be given, except to them who are quit of sin. Unquote. As usual, brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I, I use that uh, I, I use that a lot, that same analogy, that uh, the, the Eucharist is a medicine, but medicines can be counterindicated to, to quote the medical term. That you, you can't give a med- you have to give a medicine under the correct circumstances. If it's given improperly, or it's the wrong type of medicine, might be good in one circumstance, situa- medical situation, but it could be disastrous. That same medicine given to somebody who, for, for whom it's not appropriate, their condition, it might react against the medicine. And so too, while the Eucharist is medicine, that's true. It can only be given to those who are in a state of sanctifying grace. And uh, so it, it's, it's bad medicine. Uh, For those, And and we do a disservice to them by giving them Holy Communion. Those Mm -hmm. are, and I'm talking about the divorced and remarried and second marriages without a previous annulment and convalidation, as well as those in, well, active sexual relationships uh, outside of matrimony, matrimony being between a man and a woman. And so we have to hold to the the line on that because that's perennial doctrine going all the way back. It cannot be changed. Uh, Cardinal McElroy and others like him think that it can be that it's time to move on, uh, that, that, that has to be. And, I, and I'm grateful for bishops who are speaking out about that.
0: I have a question that probably our listeners have a question too. you. We're talking about, you know, we get sacramental grace from the Eucharist. So if a person is in mortal sin, I, I have heard it, and I don't know where I heard it, it's probably from EWTN that says, if you give communion or to someone in mortal sin, and you might not know as a priest if they are or not, that it's right. like giving food to a dead person. Well, Not something. going to have that same grace effect. That would be if you were properly disposed. Is that, how do you, what are your thoughts? Well, of course,
1: that? if we're in the state of mortal sin, uh, grace is blocked. So maybe that's a, a good analogy, mm-hmm. uh, that it doesn't do any good. But worse worse than that is it, it does harm. O- also, uh, being sacrilegious. Yeah, there's something to be said for that, that um, the, the floodgates of grace are open again with a sacrament of penance and absolution. Mm-hmm. with a, Obviously with a firm purpose of amendment on the part of the penitent, not to commit the sin again, or at least to try very hard to be determined not to commit the sin again. And so that's, a, that's an interesting way to put it, certainly arrest, an arresting uh, attention-grabbing mm-hmm. way of putting it, uh, giving uh, giving uh, medicine to, uh, to a dead person. So that, that's food for thought.
0: Yeah, kind of just a book ending on what you were saying about uh, denying communion or not giving communion to those in the state of moral sin, Um, our friend, uh, pro LGBT father, James Martin is in the news again. Um, apparently in Florida recently, governor DeSantis authorized a stay of execution for a criminal. And, um, now he's kind of doing this little tit for tat thing saying, well, are you going to deny communion to DeSantis who was a Catholic because he okayed a stay of execution or the death penalty? For right. a criminal, um, but you know you you don't want to give communion to those who support abortion. Are these two things equal in terms of non-negotiables with regard to the faith? I mean,
1: that's a very that is a very good question. Colonel uh, McElroy is brilliant for for bringing that up. He's referring to the change in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is for me personally a very disturbing change. Uh, where uh, I have to read the language; I don't have it in front of me. Where whereby uh, capital punishment is absolutely forbidden, very seriously sinful to be, to carry out, this murder of the of the person. Traditionally, Catholic Church has always taught in the past that the state has the right to capital punishment. The state can waive that right. You can have a right and waive the right. So I'm not going to exercise this right. And that's okay for matters of prudence. And that's a position that I, I could always support, that you still accord doctrinally the, the right of the state to take life, uh, but here and now, maybe for interests of pro-life and to set a good example, we're not gonna exercise that right. That's tolerable. The uh, the Pope has said no, uh absolute, an absolute forbidding of, of, of capital punishment, sort of uh, taking that right away from from the state. Uh so uh, uh, Colonel McElroy is in, is invoking that. And he's and he gives some other things too that why don't we say, you know, domestic violence is mortal sin and, you know, Mm-hmm. Using those, uh, he had I I don't have them in front of me. A, a several, frauding uh, laborers, or you know, uh, inequitable in pay to to workers. Why don't we refuse communion to those employers? Why are we? His objection is that we're zeroing in on sexual sins as as you as you say, non non negotiables. And there are, there are other things, and I think that merits. Conversation. I, I think that, that we mm-hmm. we can we can talk about that. Um, and I, I I would say some of the things you bring up. I think domestic violence is personally I would say mortal sin. You haul off and hit your spouse. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a I would say that's a mortal sin. But it's not public. See that's the thing. A lot of the sexual sins are public in terms of cohabitation, which is a, which is which is a public act. I've always said that. When you move in with somebody, that's that's in public. Uh, divorce and remarriage in a second marriage, that's a public act. That's out there, front and center. LGBTQ, you know, same-sex marriage, same thing. Uh, but as far as capital punishment goes, that's an ongoing That's an ongoing conversation. And um, he's big on the development of doctrine that we've, we've developed. We we've, we've, we've developed doctrine. St. Vincent of Laurent was the, uh, St. Vincent uh, Laurent, a deacon of the 4th century, I believe, first came up with the idea, picked up by Cardinal John Henry Newman in the uh, late 1800s uh convert to the faith, a British British cardinal, and uh, he picked up on a development of doctrine. Both those both those writers, St. Vincent and John Henry Newman, say you have to be careful that it's a, a true a development of doctrine and not a degeneration, or a change, of doctrine. Uh, the capital punishment thing should uh, DeSantis be refused communion? I, I think that's a like I, I'm going to keep saying it's an ongoing conversation. I would I would like more you know arguments o- on that. My quick answer is is no. Uh, okay. He should not be denied uh, communion for for something like that. It's a brilliant move on the part of Cardinal McElroy in, in defending his position.
0: Well, with that, we have to go to break. Please stay with us. You're listening to Holy Family Radio, seven twenty WHYF. We'll be right back. Welcome back to In the News Show. Um, for the second half of our show, we want to talk a little bit about something that was on LifeSite News. This was a little bit disturbing, um, probably not surprising, but disturbing. Um, Paris Hilton says that she has frozen twenty boys via in vitro fertilization as she waits for a girl. This is like unbelievable wow. even for Hollywood. Nineteen
1: Eighty Four. This is uh, the novel, like the novel Nineteen Eighty Four. Yeah, yeah. Brave, yeah. Brave New World. We're there. Yeah. We're there now.
0: Yeah, she's, uh, most people know her. She's a famous socialite, so celebrity influencer in Hollywood. And um, so during the pandemic, they decided <clears throat> that she wanted to have children. And so they, they froze, her and her husband froze, 20 boys that the are currently stage. in the embryonic stage to her knowledge, they're all boys and she desires a girl, so she's gonna to try to go through this again. Our I think this this makes a good talking point, not just because <laughs> she's you know Hollywood and we know how uh, the liberalism and the progressives can be in, in that particular area of the world, but um, it does have a talking point about uh, IVF and why this is not an acceptable uh, Catholic practice. Can you share with us just a little bit about that?
1: Well, all I can say is I hope this is a wake-up call mm-hmm. to the public of, of the madness of this sexual technology and the reasonableness of the church's teaching that a, a, a child should be conceived within the marital embrace within the uh, the body of the woman of the mother biologically that's sacred it's, it's not physicalism. Some will say, "Oh, that's just physicalism." You're overemphasizing the physical. Well, the physical and the biological are sacred, created by God. So there, there is a sanctity to that. Once you step out, out of of the bounds, and you know the the moral doctrines of the church are like guardrails on a on a road on a high road, like Route One in California. Mm-hmm. You know, you you. I've, I've traveled Route One. It's way, it's beautiful. It's, you know, way above the ocean rocks rocky cliffs going down to the crashing waves you got to have those guardrails up or, or you crash and that's what's happening morally here the, the moral doctrines of the church are not just to make people miserable but to protect life and to protect souls so 20, 20 embryonic boys little boys frozen now what's going to happen to them that this is the problem with in vitro fertilization mm-hmm. um uh this is um a, a, a big problem uh, that um, the uh, either destroyed or f- or frozen, you have multiple conceptions, mm-hmm. and you pick out the one that you want, the rest are either d- discarded or in suspended animation like Paris Hilton is doing. I'd like to know what her plans are for yeah, those yeah. 20 boys. She has not said, uh, but she, she wants a girl. Another reminder that we don't have a right to a baby, actually, mm-hmm. people think you have mm-hmm. a right to a baby. A baby is a gift. Uh, A child is is a gift from God, and and you cannot just apprehend, you know, the uh, declare a a right to a baby. And so, any in any case, this is a horror story, and you know, it's it's not that surprising. It's been going on. Hasn't been talked. Has not been talked about that much. Pro-life lobby has has been talking about it for a, a long time. Uh, the problems with I, I, IVF. We, IVF. We, uh, we lament those who are infertile or are having trouble with fertility. Mm-hmm. There are ways of getting around that that are moral. I don't have time to get into them right now, but they, they, they should be studied. It's, it's not, not easy, uh, but, but there are moral <laughs> ways of doing it that respect the uh, marital embrace. And she was a baptized. Paris Hilton, uh, I just read was a, is a baptized Catholic. Oh, and I don't
0: think I even knew that.
1: Okay. I thought I, I thought I read that. Um, I don't know if she, if she was raised in the faith or not that, that I do not know, but, uh, this is lamentable and, uh, we, we can only hope there's some resolution that respects the, the lives of those, uh, children embryonically.
0: Mm-hmm. So she did have, uh, one via surrogate and then, um, because, and the reason why she did that was because she fears the pains of childbirth.
1: Oh, so brother. she can't
0: imagine herself actually pregnant. So
1: but she, she has looks no at all these
0: different ways to have children without actually having to go through oh, not boy. only the physical conception yeah. part of it, but right. the physical delivery.
1: That's a problematic thing. And I just yes, had my first, in 38 years of priesthood, just had my first bride-to-be uh, about, a, about a year ago come in. And we always ask the question, because it's it pertains to the validity of the marriage, there has to be an intention to have children. Mm-hmm. I don't, a lot of people don't know that but in yeah. Catholic theology for the marriage to be valid there's certain things there, there there's certain criteria that you have to have in place in your heart and mind to be faithful mm-hmm. to be married just to the one person mm-hmm. um, and uh, w- w- the other one is um, you have to <clears throat> intend, intend to have children biologically it does not rule out infertile couples exactly as long as they still intend to uh, have children but for the first time I had a bride-to-be say to me i i asked the question do you intend to have children and she said no and whoa oh. i had to make, had to make a, a call i never had that before and her and her reason was a, a fear of pain mm-hmm. fear of pain uh so uh, i called the but she says she intends to adopt so and she said she might change her mind on on, on that
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh so i had to call the you know the um uh, diocese diocese that. i get some consultation from the tribunal mm-hmm and it's uh funny the head of the tribunal actually had to call around to other diocese to get some to get consultation on his part on whether or not we could go through with the with the wedding right it seemed to be an invalidating dating circumstance and they decided to go ahead go ahead because she doesn't tend to adopt and mm-hmm. the language is uh, to uh, intend to have children and it, it actually doesn't say uh biologically well that was the usual understanding so we went ahead with the wedding but uh, um, a fear of pain. So that's Paris Hilton as well. That's, uh, mm-hmm. that's yeah. amazing.
0: That's not the first one I've heard that. I've heard that amongst people um, that have actually said that to me. And I thought, oh, okay, that's that's oh. interesting. Interesting reason. Um, okay. But hopefully that she'll come to terms with that in her marriage. And, um, you know, sometimes people go to adopt and they end up having biological children <clears throat> of their own. Sometimes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So uh, moving on, we do have something that might affect us a little bit locally. Uh, This actually happened in Hershey, Canada. Um, And the title of this from my news, it said, Hershey's faces a boycott after an ad with transgender man promoting Women's Day chocolate bar. So it's been, uh, I think, International Women's Month uh, this month in March. And uh, this took to Twitter, of course, called Boycott Hershey. Um, And in the article, it says Hershey Canada, which is the Pennsylvania-based chocolate company's Canadian branch. So I guess it's coming out of corporate in our local Hershey. um, used transgender rights activist and gender-confused man, quote-unquote, Fae, F-A-E, Johnstone, to promote a limited edition series of chocolate bars called Her, H-E-R, for F O R She S H E Her for She Oh my gosh. Which features John Stone and four women on the bars wrapper in an attempt to celebrate International Women's Day. So all the boycott Hershey people talk so took, took to Twitter and all the conservatives and even feminists are reacting to this saying that, you know, boycott the can the candy company um, for doing this. And as I said, this happened in Canada, but I don't know if the directive came out of the corporate in the local Hershey you know, corporate uh, situation here in central Pennsylvania, but that's really something.
1: (laughs) Well, as a kid, central Pennsylvania kid who would, and you're probably yourself as well, went to Hershey park, (laughs) um, you know, um, multiple times uh, in the summer. It was so family friendly Mm -hmm. for that. And Disney's going the same direction, correct? That's right. Yeah. Uh, um, (laughs) Disney world, you know, Walt Disney, and Milton Hershey, as, as we say, rolling in their graves uh, mm-hmm. with uh, the, the direction that their their companies are going, mm-hmm. which were, were were very family friendly. And um, now this is, uh, you know, getting into the zeitgeist, as we say, the German term, the spirit of the times. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said, he who weds the spirit of the times will soon be a widow or a widower. Hmm. In other words, the spirit of the times will abandon you a, and will... Uh, turn against you and you'll be left alone uh, but in any case uh yeah this is also also lamentable and, uh, and and it's it's this kind of pressure that's causing church leaders to to cave because it seems so pervasive right and it seems like the way to go um and i I'm just reminded of a of a quote from first john the first epistle of john i don't have it exactly right i don't have it in front of me but he used the word progressive John does yeah John and he says those who are so progressive that they are progressing themselves something to that effect out right outside of the truth are you know not going to inherit the kingdom of God or something like that Mm -hmm. a very impressive passage I'll try to get it for next show the exact quote Uh, and he warns against progressivism here we go and uh, so the uh, church leaders have to stand up to this stuff this this context that is so inimical, inimical to the faith.
0: Yeah, something, something related that I don't have the article in front of me, but I know this was something that was on Fox News. Is there's a lot of companies um, that are supporting all of these these different transgender and think policies that that people might not even be aware of. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess we have an obligation as Catholic Christians to either you know pull away from that. Like for instance, if you have Disney stock or, but a lot Perhaps. of companies, well-known companies, Coles, yeah. McDonald's, yeah. Bank of America, right. um, at, at Amazon, you know, some are more obvious than others, but, you know, we, ha- we have to be aware of this. This is happening, not just, uh, I mean, I don't have a desire to go to Disney, so that doesn't affect me as much, but I certainly huh. um, patronize some of those companies and now I've got
1: to think about it again. It's an un- undeveloped area of moral theology i mm-hmm. would welcome more writing and commentary on that from the or especially from the orthodox standpoint and that is uh, mm-hmm. our investments what are our are yes. I? you know personally myself you know i have a portfolio we're allowed to as as a diocesan priests uh religious order priests i don't believe can they can't have they cannot have their personal portfolios and because of the vow of poverty but we can and i do Mm-hmm. And I've said to my investment advisor, you know, I'd, I'd like, you know, moral, I've not really pushed it a lot, but I said, you know, I want moral um, investments. And um, I, what what are res, our responsibilities? How far does it go? Um, you know, there's so many in, indirect uh, impacts when you invest in a company and, and it could be, you know, two or three or four layers down the line where the, the questionable where the company is involved in a company which is involved in a company which is involved in an abortion. You might not be able to detect that. Right. Um, and uh, you know, to do to do that kind of research is admirable. And and some of the pro-life groups do, and I can point out uh, for Nike as well. You know, I wore, I was wearing a Nike uh, sweatshirt once and uh in the, around the parish you know I' taken a run or, or something and uh, my pro-life person said oh you're not supposed to be buying Nike products I said mm-hmm. oh really and she said yeah because they're they're involved in um, you know they, they invest in pro-abortion activities or pro-choice activities right. I, I didn't I didn't know that uh boy I, a more direction from from the bishops and from moral theologians would be welcome on my part.
0: Well, that's going to do it for us today, Father. Um, if you could give okay. us a blessing to send us on our way.
1: May Almighty God bless you all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in. Thank you.